From the University of California, Irvine, I'm David Namey, and you're listening to the Anteater Insider Podcast. Today, I'm talking with Vice Provost of Enrollment Management, Patty Morales, and fourth-year education sciences major, Ella Lee. Together, we'll talk about barriers students face along their academic journey and how enrollment management is working to address those challenges to support student progress and success at UCI. Patty, Ella, thanks for joining me. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. thanks for having us. Excellent. Uh, Ella, I want to hear about your time at UCI. How did you come to apply here, and what were you planning to study? My dad was an anteater. He graduated in 87, so UCI was always on my radar. Um, I applied to like 11 different schools and colleges, um, and UCI was always at the top there. Um, in When I was applying, um, I applied as a pharmaceutical sciences major, um, and my alternate major was chemical engineering. I did get waitlisted, um, but I got off the waitlist like a few days before my birthday. Um, great birthday present. <laughs> um, yeah, and I was let in for chemical engineering, which is my second choice major. Um, yeah, so I went into my first year of college in 2020, the height of COVID. Um, it was challenging, but it was fun. I made a lot of good memories, good friends. It was a lot of fun. Um, and I had the opportunity to dorm in Middle Earth, uh, one of the on-campus housing communities here. Um, and I had a triple to myself. So three times the beds, <laughs> dressers, desks. Um, I had a whole dresser for food. It was great. Um, yeah. And then uh, going into my second year, when we started to get more like in-person stuff. Um, finally had my first in-person class, um, which was kind of daunting, but very exciting. But that's kind of where like things took a turn, um, mm. just in the fact of I had to figure out how to manage my time better um, and how to deal with all of these different organizations and clubs and school, because you're a student first at UCI, um, all of these things and what to prioritize um, first, um, which is kind of where like, uh, I ended up switching my major, um, and there there were a bunch of different resources, which I'm sure we'll get into later, yeah, yeah. Um, that helped me out a lot in that process as well. So uh, you, you mentioned your dad. I just think that's really interesting. He was an anteater, yes. and um, I'm kind of wondering how he feels about all of your transitions, all of the involvements you've been into, and now this transition into these new majors. And has that been a challenge? It's the coming to UCI and choosing this path that you're on, has this created any kind of a challenge for you and your father or your family as a whole? I think the main challenge for myself is that I'm very close to my family. I'm, I feel very fortunate to say that because um, I know some students can't say the same about their families. Um, however, like being 2,000 miles away from home can be challenging at times. Mm. Um, but I do have a really good support system, like um, being involved on campus and being um, having these on-campus jobs, which they don't really feel like jobs. They just mm. feel like you're hanging out with friends. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. <laughs> um, yeah, but those friends turn into family at UC which I think is really awesome yeah, in that nice. way. Um, yeah, but my dad's proud of me. Good stuff. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's always been uh, good that way. Um, yeah, but as for like more of my academic journey, um, he was very supportive. Um, I think my mom had a little bit of a rocky start trying to get on the path of like being okay with me changing majors outside of STEM. Um, but now she's like super supportive. It didn't take her that long to get on that <laughs> train. Um, yeah, but it, it's it's been good from here. So challenges beyond the family. What other challenges have you as a student faced at UCI? And 
I'll, I'll pick one because we had a chance to talk about this um, before, is academic recovery process. So some people know that as academic probation. Um, I was a counselor once. I worked with a lot of students who were on probation. And I meant it to be a positive experience and a helpful experience and productive. How was it for you to go through that academic recovery process? Right. Um, when I first got it, I just saw academic probation, um, that kind of like, um, like big red letters type of thing. <laughs> um, and probation like obviously has a very negative connotation um, in itself, um, which can be very scary for students, um, especially for me in high school who, I've never failed a class. Like I, I failed my um, my chemical engineering class, didn't do too well in OCHEM um, when I was um, starting out my very first in-person classes. Um, yeah, but I think overall the academic recovery process was very helpful um, in the fact that like I got to talk to my academic counselor, um, I believe her name was Maggie, she's cool, <laughs> loved her, um, yeah, and just being able to select certain resources that I, um, it, it was like a choose your own adventure type of thing, it was kind of fun. Um, so I chose um, like speaking to like academic tutors um, specifically for the sciences of like chemistry and math and physics, um, especially chemistry. Um, and then also being able to uh, talk to the division of career pathways, um, taking a test there, um, and then also um, talking to the counseling center, which was something that I found very beneficial as mm -hmm. well. Mm -hmm. And now you're an education sciences major. Yes. Right? So tell us a little bit about that. How is that uh, maybe a good fit for you today? Mm -hmm. I love it. It's so much fun. Um, my best friend kind of persuaded me into doing it, um, but I wouldn't change it for the world. Um, it's a fairly new school and major. I think we just celebrated like our 10th year. Um, yeah, but that means it's ever growing, ever changing, um, which I think is awesome. Um, and there's so many things you can learn about in education sciences, which before I thought it was just for becoming a teacher or just becoming a counselor, but for me, I want to become a screenwriter for an educational children's show, um, which um, a lot of people say is like, wow, that's really niche. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it is. <laughs> um, yeah, but being able to take classes on child development is really interesting. They have a whole child development series um, from literally uh, conception to like being a teen um and also i took this like life-changing course um called engine uh well i almost said engineering um uh, education 124 um it's a multicultural education class and my very first day of class for that um multicultural education class the professor the professor is introducing himself um, and he's like, hello, my name is Dr. Barry Goldenberg. You can call me Barry um, and I'll be your professor. He's talking about himself. Oh, like, wow. that's a connection. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and turns out like, although years apart, we went to high school like 20 minutes away from each other. Oh, wow. um, yeah. So we're like from the same area. Um, and from there, it was like an instant connection. I started going to office hours, which professors have to have at UCI. Um, and that was my very first like office hours that I had with a professor. And we were just talking about life, um, education, what I want to do outside of this, um, all of that stuff as well. Um, 
And he ended up offering me um, a peer assistant position for um, being a peer assistant for his next Education 124 class. Very nice. Yeah. Very nice. Wow. So the involvements continue. Even oh, yes, exactly. Friends to, uh, to academics as yeah. well. Um, so let me uh, come over to Patty and talk a little about the barriers as well that, that students might face. Can you think of any uh, hidden barriers that maybe Ella or other students may not even be aware of that sure. they might not uh, uh, they're not facing or they are facing, but we're trying to address. Sure, happy to. Um, and I'll just mention for enrollment management, our goal is to consider the entire student life cycle. Uh, the offices that are under enrollment management include admissions, financial aid and scholarships, the university registrar, and we have an analytics unit. And we have a tremendous responsibility there to ensure that we're not only you know, bringing a student into UCI and saying all the wonderful things that we have here, but then making sure that we've delivered on that promise, that we've supported students all the way through so that they can have that successful experience and outcome. So to go to the question about hidden barriers, majors have, have requirements, right? Uh, we also have general education requirements. There's only certain days of the week at certain times if you have a work-study job that there's a lot of logistics and how a student has to sort of get through their academic and extracurricular life here. So there can be barriers that come up there. If a student wants to make, for example, a transition in a major, and when they do that, they realize, well, I still have to take these requirements to fulfill this major, but I was doing this other thing. There's a barrier right there. And how to navigate through that, resolve that, stay, you know, in timely progression, maybe a student wants to go abroad. Did that shut down their opportunity to go abroad? Well, we would never want that to happen. So we're trying to, in my office, uh, specifically in the analytics unit, m provide the sort of reports or views or structures in the data that we know about the course taking patterns, the requirements in a major to support, for example, advisors and faculty to help a student kind of anticipate what they might need to do or be creative in thinking about different ways to problem solve through that right. because we want to support those sort of evolutions and changes and developments without foreclosing anything. Yeah. Yeah. But unless you have that holistic big picture view, it becomes, you know, kind of a shot in the dark. And later on, you know, two or three quarters later, you find out that the course you need to take is not available that quarter. Well, you know, that's actually something that now we can get a view of and get ahead of and advise the student, hey, be mindful, you're going to need this course and it's only offered every other year. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, and so that's just an example of a hidden barrier because I think sometimes um, that's not the most obvious thing that comes to mind. Right, right. So the holistic view combined with the power of data analytics has the ability to remove some of these friction mm -hmm. points that mm -hmm. students may not know that they could be facing, mm -hmm. but if they never have to face them, we've done our job. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Friction is the, the right term. Um, we want things to be as smooth as possible for, you know, ideally the student doesn't know what's going on in the, in the background, ideally. You yeah. know, if it's going well, they shouldn't, Right. <laughs> have to know. But I mean, let's be candid. We have systems here. We have processes that were set up in some cases decades ago. Mm -hmm. And 
they serve a certain purpose, a logical purpose that makes sense from an administrative perspective, but from that holistic student perspective where lots of things are dependent on each other and you know what maybe something happens in financial aid and then they're i mean or, or registrar you know they they have to be they get dropped from a course for whatever particular reason and now they're going to lose their aid and you know mm -hmm. these things sort of have these relationships across these different administrative areas if we expect the student to have to figure that out and get the kind of order of operations, right? Well, that's a lot of friction. Yeah, Those are a lot yeah, of barriers. Yeah. I see my job as making sure I'm collaborating with other campus leaders to identify where those points might be. You know, where I'm leading one unit, you have another uh, leader across another unit, we have processes that are separate to us, but to a student, they're, they have a relationship. So can we figure that out, take the student's point of view and redesign it so that that kind of um, sort of responsibility we're putting on the student to, to go from point A to point C to point D to point F or point G, <laughs> that they don't have that experience, that yeah. they can just focus on what's going on for their lives. So Patty, let me be more specific about the data that our office is actually working with. Mm -hmm. you know, can you describe some of that data? Mm -hmm. What is it that, that we have access to? So I'll continue on the theme of courses just because it's a pretty concrete one. Uh, we have the data related to all the courses that a student has taken and you know the, the grades they've achieved in that and when they've taken a course and what kind of prerequisites maybe they already had coming in with from AP or whatever the case might be. That's data that when pieced together in a way that has a goal in mind, an objective in mind, which in this case is making sure you've satisfied all the, the things that you need to do to be able to get through that major. Uh, we're able to better sort of paint the picture for the student of how all of these different elements come together and see where there's something missing. And if instead we're just looking at it sort of piece by piece individually, um, sometimes it creeps up on you, you know. Uh, so that's just an example of how we can use data in a creative way that's really about the individual student. I think a lot of times when we're talking about data, there's this sense that comes in as this very abstract thing and we're talking about thousands of records and data elements, but it's actually the inverse that's the goal of this. It's taking the data and remembering there's a student underneath all that who's got this very multifaceted story. And our job as faculty and staff is to bring that all of that information into meaningful focus and then use that to have those conversations with students to partner with them to make the right you know decisions and we're part of a larger campus initiative a student success initiative called compass um, what's our role in that larger campus initiative yeah I, i'll go back to that theme of holistic views yeah um, compass is an initiative that is bringing into collaboration the various offices across campus that service data um, for faculty and staff uh, and other um, stakeholders. For example, the Office of Institutional Research, like these might be offices that students may or may not be aware of that 
you know, that has responsibility for doing all kinds of official reporting on behalf of the university. That's critical for, you know, whether it's uh, funding agencies or, you know, government entities or um, making sure we're tracking grant dollars and making sure faculty have access to what they need. Uh, then there's offices within um, IT and grad division and uh, the Office of the Vice Provost of Teaching and Learning, undergraduate education. Like we are all um, looking at data in a particular way, uh, but collaboratively, if we're better aware of what each other is focusing on, then we're able to again remind ourselves, okay, what's the student's perspective on all this? Uh, how do we bring these different data sources together? or the way that we get at data, how do we develop better awareness between the different offices and units of what those things look like and identify where there's opportunity to maybe more seamlessly integrate those um, data sources or just redesign how we've um, structured them. So the Compass Initiative is fundamentally about collaboration and it's fundamentally about bringing different perspectives on something into a cohesive view. Hmm. Back to Ella, because I know you have this long resume of things we heard about at the start. And I, I actually took notes to kind of go through them again. Maybe you didn't say this, but you're working on a minor in film and media studies. You have, you're a coordinator for campus reps with the missions. You're a captain of After League. I think that's the sketch comedy group. Uh, and chair of events and socials for Digifilm Society. How do you manage those many opportunities? <laughs> and I think you said time management yeah. is part of it, right? Yeah. And what advice do you give other students, maybe your, your students in, in the residential halls about mm -hmm. being involved in this way? Right. Um, I think the biggest thing to remember um, that also I'm reminded of in the resident advisor position as well is that you're a student first. Um, so, um, and of course, before that, you're a person. So prioritize uh, mental health care, self-care, all of that good stuff. Meditate if you need to. Scroll on TikTok for a while <laughs> if you need to. Um, yeah, but also, um, I said earlier, time management. Um, maybe I have a paper due for one of my education classes. Um, and then also I have to do a film analysis for um, one of my film classes, but then also I have to plan an event for Digifilm Society, or I have to plan a program or host a program even for um, RA, or maybe I have a tour for campus reps, um, and all of these things, um, I have to figure out what is an immediate priority, um, and also how to um, react um, in certain cases of like thinking about things more proactively than reactively. So it's almost like you are sort of navigating your own barriers and hidden right. or otherwise that right. you have to address in the many roles that you have. Mm -hmm. In the resident advisor role, uh, you've said this to me, and I really like this. You said that you're one of the first people new students meet at UCI, and that seems rewarding to you. Yes, it is extremely rewarding. I love it. Um, like, I, I don't even know how to put it into words how much I love it so much. Um, uh, this is my third year being a resident advisor for Mesa Court. Um, and I every single year is a little bit different um, in the fact of the batch of residents that I get um, and maybe some of their lived experiences. Um, and But the main overarching theme is that 
I am a big sister figure. I'm not a parent. <laughs> I don't, you know, manage them in that way. Um, I am a shoulder to cry on. I'm a built-in best friend. I'm a plumber, electrician. <laughs> I'm all of the things. Um, and just being able to be there for them is like the most rewarding thing ever. Well, just as uh, you seek to help new students in your role, does it mean a lot to know that UCI and and in this case, enrollment management is also trying to do what they do behind the scenes to help all students at UCI. Right, yeah, no, that's that's very good to hear. Um, uh, I, I think the biggest thing is um, maybe some people will feel salty that like these changes won't be happening in their time at um, UCI. Um, however, you got to take yourself out of that. Think about the prospective anteaters that are coming in, um, the new students, the transfer students even, um, that are coming into this unknown world of UCI and just knowing that we're ever growing, ever changing, evolving constantly. Um, and if, like you were saying before, Patty, if you don't know about these things going on behind the scenes, then maybe that's a good thing. Yeah. Because um, <laughs> otherwise, like, then you just know about all the bad stuff. But um, yeah, just yeah. being able to see that, like, um, or just hear from you that positive change is happening behind mm -hmm. the scenes is very good to hear. And when we hear about these challenges, that's actually, that's contributing so much. I, I think that even if a student can't themselves, benefit from whatever change we put in place. Hopefully it's comforting to know that we are listening and we are trying to make those improvements. Sometimes they're extremely hard to make uh, for like technology reasons and other things that just can seem really, uh, really is it just about tech, but sometimes it is, you know, frankly. So we are trying very hard to make those adjustments and without the students sometimes pointing things out to us, it'll it'll be that much more difficult. So hopefully students take some comfort in knowing that they're a big part of when we are make, able to make those improvements. I imagine you take some personal and professional satisfaction in, in knowing that your division is trying to help students. Oh, absolutely. I'll go back to sort of close the loop on what I opened with, and that's much like Ella was describing being like one of the first people that uh, um, a per one of the first persons people that a student meets when they start at UCI my um, team is filling a similar role when we're out talking to prospective students and their families and saying this is such a wonderful place you want to be here we feel like we're well positioned to have your dreams realized, et cetera. I feel a lot of responsibility in that. You know, we've made that promise to students, we better deliver on it. Yeah, uh, I think universities today have to do their best to help their students succeed and certainly graduate on time. So it, it's really nice to hear this effort underway to try to do that here at UCI. Uh, Ella, Patty, thank you for speaking with me today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, this is a lot of fun. Thank you, David. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for more information, you can visit the Office Enrollment Management website at enrollment.uci.edu. The Anteater Insider podcast is a production of Strategic Communications and Public Affairs at the University of California, Irvine. I'm David Namey. Thank you for listening.